Shut up and sit down. Hello, strangers, and welcome to Strangers in the Cinema. I'm with the co-host Paul Anderson here with co-host Grace Williams. Grace, welcome as ever. How are you? I'm super now, thank you. Much better after a brief spell of illness. You weren't in the best health last week, to be fair. No. Um, as a result, I think you accusing every film that you talked about of being shit, I think may, might have been a side effect of your illness. No. I don't know, but no. No. <laughs> no. No, no one's told me a film. That I haven't seen. <laughs> That's like, yeah, really good. And no one's told me a film that, like, no, that isn't shit. So, you know. Okay, fair fine. enough. Yeah. Fair enough. In which case, I respect your honesty. Yeah, um, thanks. Any... But I did, like, I know we'll be talking about it soon, but I have watched films that I've never seen, which are good. But that was off my own <laughs> back. So. Have you decided this week that you value your spare time more than you did perhaps the week before? Because I think for the past two weeks, you were like, I've watched these films. They're really shit. Yeah. Just keep watching shit films. Have you decided Well, now... that's because films used to be good back in the day, <laughs> didn't they? So, you know, there's some classics where I haven't seen them. I'm like, oh, that's a classic for a reason. And actually, do you know what? I'll, I'll I'll give you credit because I did say last week when you said that you, you said the only reason you're watching these films is because you thought you'd seen all of the good films. Yeah. And I threw out a challenge to social media to say yeah. to Grace, yeah. if you can think of a good film that Grace hasn't seen, yeah. then throw it Grace's way. Now, I'm sorry, listeners. No one did. No one has done. So, no. in which case, no. you're now telling me that Grace is correct, that she's seen yeah. all of the good films. Yeah. Uh, I still don't believe that, listeners. And I want... And I, to be honest, I think Grace wants you to prove her wrong as well. Because yeah. Grace is, is eager to yeah. see some good films she hasn't yeah, seen. Yeah, I really want to see some uh, good films. So, throw some recommendations but our way. But not a Guy Ritchie film, like but your mate just a, said. Yeah, not like Dave just said. No. Um, talking of my mate, here's an interesting yeah. conversation that I had between um, uh, two good friends of mine. Uh, two good friends of mine. One of which, one of which has a significantly more art house taste than the other. Uh, in fairness, so basically, one of my friends, uh, who shall remain nameless for the sake of this podcast, but you'll you'll know if you they'll know if they're listening. Uh, one of my friends has never seen a single Marvel film. It's like they don't interest me. I'm more interested in art house, and I'm like fair enough. And then we had another friend who was just like, well, I've never really, you know, like challenged me. It was like, if you've never seen a Marvel film, how dare you? Like Thor Ragnarok's incredible. And he was banging on about Thor Ragnarok. And one of the, my, my art house friend, for want of a better word, uh, said that, fine, I'll watch Thor Ragnarok if you watch one of our recommendations. So I got all excited. I was just like, yeah, yeah do it, do it. That's great. So basically, I think, so the, the friend, sorry, they're called Dave and Gary. Uh, so basically, Gary said, right, you need to watch Blue Velvet. And Dave went, fine, well, you need to watch Thor Ragnarok. So I was just like, right, I'll strike one of the irons hot because if I don't what if I don't make either of them follow through on these films, mm. I knew for a fact that neither of them watched these films. Mm. So basically we left the pub. So I took my mate Gary back with me. I was like, right, we're watching Thor Ragnarok now. I think he quite enjoyed it. He admitted it was a lot of silly fun and he quite enjoyed it. Mm. Then I had Dave over the today and we watched Blue Velvet together. Mm-hmm. And he quite enjoyed that. So win-win. There you go. Win-win. Uh, so they're going to do the same exchange again. Um, although I did show, I did show uh, Dave the trailer for Eraserhead. I was like, well, if you've if you've got into David Lynch at this point, Blue Velvet's a good place to start. I showed Dave the trailer for Eraserhead. Yeah. And uh, he looked at me and he went, "If you'd put that on, I would have left." So maybe there's work to be done, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, it was interesting. And what was nice is both of them enjoyed both of the films. So That's good. Um, One day yeah. I'm going to force my mum to watch Star Wars because she says, Star Wars is vile. And I said, have you ever seen Star Wars? She's like, no, I just don't like things that are not very real. I'm like, well... We're going to watch Star Wars one day. Welcome to the world of imagination, yeah, Mother. Yeah, Mother, <laughs> Mother, Star Wars is amazing. You can't judge it. So I'm, that's that's a challenge. Yeah. Who else has got a mother who hates Star Wars? <laughs> Probably a lot of people, to be fair. I haven't. I think my mum does like Star Wars. Does she? My mum my does some incredible film reviews, which I've not brought up on the show before. My mum does some incredible film reviews. So my mum, bless her, she's listened, she listens to every episode of this show. Uh, and I remember ages ago when Stranger Than Cinema was still a short film review website. Yeah. Uh, and then we were doing short film reviews. It was just like, okay, this is quite an exciting way. I was like, maybe, maybe this will be if I write film reviews for this website. And then I was writing film reviews for another for another couple of websites, and I was just like, maybe this will get me into being a full time film critic. Yeah. I was younger then and more naive than I, yeah, you know, yeah. than I am now. And uh, to the point where I looked on the Stranger Than Cinema stats, and I was just like, let's. And I was just like, oh my god. 
oh my god, there is a hit on every single one of the views reviews that I've ever written. And yeah. I, I'll be honest, I got excited. I was like, yeah, of course, maybe someone's tapping me. Yeah. And then I'd say probably probably a couple of months passed by. Yeah. And I thought nothing more about it. And I turned up to see my mum, and my mum presented me with a folder. And in the folder was a printout of every review I've ever written. I was like, Mum, that is so sweet. That is so sweet. But I got so excited. But it, and I mean, and it was lovely. And my mum to this day still has a, a folder with printed out reviews of everything so written. Nice. And it, 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 it was lovely, but at the same time, mildly disappointing. Uh, so, mum, if you're listening, it means the world to me. It That did mean the world to me. And I, I stand by that. It was very, very sweet. Oh, uh, that's nice. But if, not... anyone, if anyone else wants to hit on every one of my friends you've ever, ever written and wants to offer me yeah. a job, I'm game. <laughs> mum, if you're listening, let's watch Star Wars together. We can do it. Yeah. We don't need Bridget Jones's diary. Grace's mum, if you're listening, my mum read every single film review that I've ever written. The least you can do is watch, watch Star, Star Wars, Wars with Grace. Yeah, do it. Let's do it, mum. Hands down. Hands down. Hand solo down. Woo! Oh, boom. Right. Right. What have we got this week? <laughs> so much. What have we got this week? Uh, it's going to be like wildly different from what we do usually. Um, so. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> this week, it might have already happened by the time this is out, but a palm door will be crowned. At Cannes Film Festival. Has it been announced yet? I don't even know. Don't think so. So, to celebrate that fact, we are going to be uh, doing a top five. Yeah, they're back, top fives. Uh, a top five of our favourite. For you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I know he would have loved this one, wouldn't he? Would've, he he would have loved this. Above this one, yeah. I bet he's there now, like, <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to do our top five um, Palm Door winners of all time. Um, before that, we're going to be reviewing the film Keanu Reeves Rides a Horse. Dominic uh, 3. <laughs> Paul's, one of the most, Paul's most anticipated films of the year. Look how excited I am to talk about it. John McTree, so 3, John McTree, John McTree. Yeah. Um, but before that, we're going to say what we've been watching. After this. We've been watching films. What have you seen? What have I seen this week? Yeah. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about, as I promised you a slightly delayed review, I watched uh, Claire Denny's High Life. Mm. Uh, before I get to High Life, though, so I watched High Life in the Tivoli Cinema in Bath, which you talked about before. Yeah. Uh, and I'm drifting off topic here, and I make no apologies for it. So High Life, um, a, a well done to Tivoli for showing High Life. Uh, because I think it's probably the first time I've... I, literally, I did not expect them to be showing it, and mm. I logged in and was just like, yes, they're showing it. I'd rather watch it there uh, than anywhere else, because their screening rooms are great. Uh, and the screen in which we saw High Life, I think, has six double-seater sofas, which Grace will back me up on in a minute, uh, and electronic recliners, and incredible sound, and a beautiful 4K screen, uh, and it was just a delightful experience. Paid a bit more for it than I would a normal cinema ticket, but as far as I'm concerned, I will go back there again. So Tivoli Cinemas, uh, this is a big shout-out. If you get a chance to go to their director's room, I think it's called, or yeah. director's lounge, Yeah, it was an incredible experience. It's an incredible screen. It's basically what you would anyone listening to the show would want in their own house. It was an incredible screening room, uh, and they did an incredible job of screening High Life. Um plug aside even if it's not even it's not even a shameless plug it was just an incredible cinema experience and yeah you know look Cheltenham uh, I know we've got some listeners in Cheltenham Tivoli's coming your way be excited about Tivoli they do a great job um, and be excited about it and uh, I wish them all the success in the world and I mm-hmm. will be back there again to see some more art house films for sure if you show them Tivoli so yeah. the pressure's on you show um, them so High Life sorry back to High Life High so Life. High Life is the latest film from a director that I have a big 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 uh, fondness for which is directed called Claire Denny uh, Denny, uh, Denny. starring uh, Robert Pattinson the new Batman <laughs> the new Batman I think he's going to do an incredible job oh, yeah whatever I think he's oh, going to do an incredible job what else we'll get to that we'll get to yeah, that yeah okay so High Life basically uh, is a sci-fi film um, starring Juliet Binoche is here as well as well as Robert Pattinson uh, basically, High Life is set on a spaceship that has been launched into space uh, for them to do experiments on the crew on the crew of the spaceship. Um, as the film goes on, I'm going to try not to spoil too. I'm trying not to spoil a lot here, but mm-hmm. I need to give some context to it. Um, so the crew are made up of convicts uh, that have been convicted of unspeakable crimes and have been launched into space to be experimented on. Uh, Juliet Binoche is the doctor who is not free of crime herself, I hasten to add, who is experimenting on the crew 
of the spaceship. Um, the film opens with Robert Pattinson with a baby um, who transpires to be his baby daughter. Uh, and yeah, so basically you've got a crew lost in basically a crew kind of lost in space, not really having a clear, they're not really given a clear idea of what they're doing or mm-hmm. kind of they have an idea of where they're heading. They're heading towards a black hole. Um, and experiment to see what happens when human beings get near to a black hole is basically the crux of the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want... A, and Sorry, so then it starts with Robert Pattinson and the baby, and then it flashes back to what's happened to lead to that situation, and then it goes on after after that situation. It is the kind of the narrative crux of the film. Um, to give you an idea of, of what to expect here, I'd say... For, for want of not trying to use a lazy term, but it, it almost feels like a, a sort of almost a more art, almost a more art house kind of sunshine kind of vibe to it. So you've got a crew cooped up. You've got, in fact, it is a lot like sunshine. I will it's say. more moon than. Yeah, it's kind of moon in in, in that regard. But even that, and sunshine is a film that I'm incredibly fond of. I, right. th- I think it's an absolutely fantastic film, and I think it's I think sunshine is one of my criminally un- criminally underrated greats, like a hundred percent. Right. And I think it's very reminiscent of that. You've got a crew cooped up in, in close quarters environment heading into the depths of space. Yeah. Ultimately heading into the unknown. I mean, there's 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 a more sense of the unknown as to what they're going to do in in uh high life than there is in Sunshine for sure. But I think that's a I think that's a, a, a fair comparative. Yeah. Um Yeah, I really, really like this film. I mm-hmm. mean, I expected to really like it. Claire Denny is an incredible filmmaker. Um, and there's just there is a, a sense of the unknown that are sh- that is entirely shared with the cast members here. Um, you are totally there with the characters, going that what's going on, why are they here, and ultimately. And I think the way the way Claire didn't the way Claire Danny kind of reveals what's going on in the film, you almost get an awakening at the same time as the characters mm. get the awakening. So you really do get that sense of kind of detachment of what's going on and like oh my god they they kind of come to the conclusion that actually they're all fucked essentially yeah um and ultimately and then they do that and they put people in space and they put Robin Pattinson in it and they put uh, Juliet Binoche in it and then you go oh my god they're heading towards a black hole and that excites me even more so this is this is kind of hard this is i, I just there there is such a lack of, i think of what i would describe as hard sci-fi out there yeah um and anything that's hard sci-fi will will garner my attention. Anything that's directed by Claire Denny will garner my attention. And I think this this was great. I just I, I really really liked it. I can't. I'm trying not to say too much without spoiling it. But I think Claire Denny, in this con- having this claustrophobic science fiction environment, I think worked really really well. If you think Sunshine, you won't be too far off the mark. If you think Interstellar, there's elements of Interstellar thrown in here as well, which is another film I'm incredibly fond of. Um, and yeah, I think it handled it really, really well. It's it's you know it's a Claire Denny film that a lot of it is left open to interpretation. I wouldn't necessarily say I wouldn't necessarily say it's a film for everyone by a long stretch. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say just because there's black holes in it, like Interstellar would be the more the more obvious film. Or yeah. obvious film is maybe the wrong word because I I I love Interstellar as much as I love High Life, but they yeah. are two very different films. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice to see Claire Denny turn her. It's just it's nice to see. And art house sensibility turned towards what is considered to be, still considered in some corners to be a low genre. Yeah, so it's yeah, nicely yeah. art house sensibility turned towards sci-fi. Yeah, and I think it works incredibly well. And Robert Pattinson is great in this. Um, talking of segueing into Batman, yeah. perhaps I think. Yeah. Talking of Robert Pattinson being cast as Batman, guys, if you've only seen Twilight. Stop fucking moaning about Robin Pattinson as as Batman. He's an incredible actor. He's done incredible work. If you've only seen Twilight, see some more of his films. Trust me, yeah. I think he's going to be great. Or don't just judge him on Twilight. Don't just judge him on Harry Potter. He's really shit in some other shit films as well. Oh, what <laughs> other shit films are you referring to? No, no. no I, to be honest, um, I'm, 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 I don't think he's. I don't think he's great. He's pretty irritating. But um, I, he was alright in Cosmopolis. So yeah. Have you right. seen Good Time? Safety Brothers, good time because that's brilliant. No, he's brilliant in that. No, I'm sure he's fine. He's I'm, he's, he's got the jaw. He's got the jaw for batters, hasn't he? Jaw. He needs he needs to bulk up. Yeah, get yeah, buff. We'll see. Get buff, Pat. Segwaying into Batman. Why did I mention Batman there, Grace? Because I went to see Batman 1989 at the cinema. I went to Tivoli. I went to um, the same screen. Um, that you went to see hard. 20 minutes afterwards because yeah, I saw yeah. you in the bar. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. You did. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, there was just uh, two of us in there. Just me and my partner on a sofa with a reclining footstool. It was like amazing. I love those reclining, I'll be honest. Oh my God. 
And um, yeah, it was a 4K, uh, was it restoration? Yeah. Yeah, restoration of um, Batman 1989. And it was amazing, as usual. That's the second time I've seen it at a cinema. Um, and yeah, it's just such a fucking good film. It's like, the thing I noticed instantly is how like beautiful the... Um, the color grade and Tim Burton's like landscapes and world building is like it looks so good and it doesn't really date at all. And Jack Nicholson's Joker is so fucking good. And Michael Keaton is Batman. He is Batman. He's the only Batman. And Kim Basinger is like really stylish and she's so good as Vicky Vale. And um and the score is just still like oh, I'm so excited. Like, you killed yeah. my parents. <laughs> da, 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 da. So good. And the is that prince, something you've come up with? And um, my partner came up with it like That's ages good. ago, and then we That's we great. always just sing it like just to things all I the like time. That a lot. Yeah. Da, 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 well done, me. I know you're listening. Da, da, da. So well done, sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously the Prince soundtrack is so it's like the best movie. It and. It's a 1989 movie, the year of my birth. So, Batman in 1989 is probably one of the best movies of all time. Best, one of the best fucking superhero movies of all time. So yeah, it was a great experience, and um, I wish I could have gone the night after as well because they showed it for two nights. I know, and I didn't go the night after, and then I sat there <laughs> full of regret that I didn't go. I had my Batman cardigan on. I was just like, this is, <laughs> this is so great. I was, I was saying the lines along. It was so good. Yeah. So that's what I've been watching. What else have you been watching? Uh, I've watched Bumblebee again, which I think might have been one of the first shows you were on when we talked about Bumblebee. Uh, it was quite what far in. What I loved is that you said you watched Bumblebee and then because you hashtagged it on Instagram and then someone was like, oh, we like Bumblebees too. Save yeah, the bee. Yeah, so basically, if anyone follows us on Instagram, which I imagine you probably do. So yeah, so I posted, I, I love Bumblebee so much, blah, 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 which kind of gives away my review. Uh, but yeah, and then yeah, literally a, a, a very a very lovely person just posted. Oh, if you love bumblebees, we love bumblebees as well. Here's a link to all of our shirts. Context. However, guys. I did I did then link to the very cynical profile, which is here's which basically the profile is here's a lot of very attractive women wearing our t-shirts with bumblebees on. Um, not bumblebee the transformer, otherwise I might have stayed longer. If you put very yeah. attractive women wearing bumblebee the transformer t-shirt, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I'm I'm game Fine. for that. Yeah, like so maybe they should adjust their marketing. It was very yeah. sweet, and they're doing it wrong. I'm. I don't dislike bees. Like they're they're very important to the ecosystem no. as it goes. Or sexy women, um, but you know, yeah. not the best way. But you know. the two together is just. But cynical. would it, would it's that cynical, would that save the environment? You know, would putting a, a bumblebee on a pair of boobs actually get people to pay attention? If you bet you anything know? on a pair of boobs, people would pay attention. Exactly. That is so, unfortunately the unfortunately, cheap world. unfortunately, yeah, the nature completely. of the world that we live in. Sorry, sorry. However, you watched Bumblebee, the watched actual Bumblebee film. I watched Bumblebee again. Yeah. And you loved it. I love it. You love it. I hands down love it. Like, I enjoyed it quite a lot the first time in the cinema. Yeah. And it's one of the few films that, for me, that improved on second viewing. Literally, the whole thing, for me, was just a joy to watch. Like, the, you've got the, the, the G1 robot design. Transformers geeks out there, you know what that is. So, basically, they're adhering to the original robot design, which I think I talked about on... Which I talked about with, with yeah. Pokemon last week, in fact. It's just, like, they understand the source material. They get that fans like it, and they get the fans want things to look like how they looked in the source material. Yeah. Bumblebee gets that for the first time. They didn't redesign the Transformers. Great. They look fantastic. You've got the opening scene on Cybertron, which is 100% a rerun of the opening scene of the animated series. Again, brilliant. 100% fan service. 100% on board. Um, and you've got Hayley Steinfeld, who I think is great in this. And I think I, I read somewhere, um, if I'm repeating myself from the previous Bumblebee review, I, I apologise, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Hayley Steinfeld here is 18 years old, and I believe that Megan Fox's character in the original Transformers film was 18 years old. And the difference in which they treat those female characters is just just insane. Like, the shameful the way they treated Megan Fox, the female character in the original Transformers film, as a sex object. And they've got Hayley Steinfeld as a believable 18-year-old girl here. He's not sexualising the slightest. Like... It just works. It, it's just made so much oh, more sense Megan for me Fox. to handle it this way. Isn't it clever? But, you know, she's sexy, she's hot, she's a little bit older, but she all she wants to do is work on cars. 
you know? Yeah, that's understandable. But less about that Transformers <laughs> and more about Bumblebee. So yeah, genuinely, Bums. like it charmed it charmed my socks off even more so this time round. Like there were a couple of cheesy moments, but I found myself cheering the cheesy moments, I'll be perfectly honest. It's just a really, really sweet, good natured film. And I've got so much time for this, even more time than I had before. Like, and the set pieces are great. You can actually, you can see what's going on. The action, the action scenes are so much better shot and edited than they are in the in the original Transformers series of films. You can see what's going on. That they're, they're used sparingly. There's not, there's not like a whole forty minutes of Transformer and Transformer action towards the end. They're used sparingly, so the impact is greater. Um, the special effects are superb. Um, Bumblebee is just such a really sweet 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 character that's then suddenly becomes an absolute badass but it just works mm. and honestly like this this clicked for me much more in second than it did on first viewing and i am totally in love with bumblebee like i love it i'm happy for you good thank you good well i watched a film with a animal title also okay i watched wolf wolf yeah it's wolf i think i've what this is this you've yeah blindsided me yeah this is a film that i hadn't seen which is a good movie so i hadn't seen all the all the great movies okay well good seen a new one um wolf is a film obviously good (laughs) with dun 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 jack nicholson oh fuck michelle pfeiffer yes wolf Yes, I've never seen it. Should either. I pronounce it differently? Wolf. No, no. I just I, as soon as you said Jack Nicholson, my memory sparked back up, and I was like, I remember that coming out. I remember my dad renting it on VHS, and I was told it wasn't suitable. Well, that's a it. bit saucy. Yeah, well, it's um. So yeah, basically, um, Jack Nicholson's character. He's a um. He works in a kind of publishing house, and he's driving back um home through some snow, and um hits a wolf, and he's like, no, and then he pokes. What does he do? He pokes the wolf with a stick to see if it's alive and then it gets up and bites him on the arm. Uh-oh. And the wolf's got glowing yellow eyes and runs off. And he's like, oh no, a wolf bit me. And everyone's like, no, there's no wolves around here. <laughs> so he goes to a um, a party um, at, um, for the publishing house and his boss basically says like, oh, you either work in this separate division or leave. Um, so he's like... Oh, and then at the party he meets this boss's daughter played by Michelle Pfeiffer um, and they form a, a bond and sort of the next couple of days after that he starts to get more um, assertive and sure of himself and he's not going to let anyone tramp- like trample on him but he also starts getting like a keen sense of smell and sight and sound. I think I know where this is going. Yeah. So Does he turn into a cat? Yeah, he turns into a cat. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was an amazing film. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer is one of the most enigmatic, beautiful people to watch. She's such a good actress. Like, she's just so fucking... She can be play the most down-to-earth, normal person, but she can also play, like, a queen. You know, she's, like, one of the greatest actresses. And Jack Nicholson is effectively Jack Nicholson, but he was still really good. Like, having just seen um, The Night Before watching Batman 89 as well, it was, like... Really good to see him. Just a little reminder of how not... incredible Jack Nicholson yeah, is. Yeah, or... because like he's just playing like the not so dickish version of Jack Nicholson in this film. <laughs> um, and it's also got who else has it got in it? James Spader. James Spader is a bit of a. He must be very young in. Wolf. Really young, yeah. yeah. He's like. This is what. 30s. Is, this, is this this is post Batman. This is. I think it might be post. It's ninety three, ninety four. I'm I'm throwing it out there. James Spader. I don't know if it was like Secretary, maybe around the time just before yeah, Secretary. Way before Secretary, I think. Keep talking. Oh, sorry, but I'm yeah, gonna, um, but yeah, no, it's a it was a really it's a really good film, and it's about um, kind of animal magnetism. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's about yeah about sort of um, people repressing their feelings and not knowing everything that's going on and being walked over, but then sort of yeah male assertiveness and relationships and yeah, it was it was cool. It was a good movie. Yeah. I revisit it. Oh, I say revisit it. I've never seen it. So yeah, we'll watch it. it. Yeah. Watch it on Prime stuff. Yeah, my dad's not around now to tell me it's not suitable anymore, so I'm going to... Yeah, okay, yeah, go. yeah. <laughs> okay, ha! <laughs> on it. <laughs> right, I've rewatched. Uh, as I mentioned, as I alluded to earlier, we'd set a film challenge to... Well, two of my friends set each other a film challenge, and to police it, I watched both films with, yeah. with, with, with both of them. So yeah. I'm going to talk a bit about both of those films okay. now, I think. Well, starting with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I'll be honest, with Thor Ragnarok, I saw it at the cinema, and I came out, and I was just like, that is Marvel at the absolute top of its game. Yeah. That was my first thoughts. 
Uh, it's a lot of fun. Toki Watiti is allowed to get away with a lot of his own, put his own mark on it, which is great, which is when the Marvel films work the best is when they allow the directors they pick to put their own mark on it, which is yeah. basically why the Marvel films work is because they recruit talented directors from a very, very, very background to direct their films. And I really, really respect the fact that... <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. I really, really respect the fact that Thor Ragnarok plays it for comedy. Uh, and he, Taika Waititi, has no shame in saying that it 100% puts his flag in the ground, this is a comedy. Yeah. That works incredibly well for it. However, I have a slight... And it's only a slight gripe, because I still had an incredible amount of fun watching this film. Mm-hmm. I wish the whole thing had been set on the planet of Zakaar with Jeff Goldblum as the ultimate villain, as the Grandmaster. Because that those bits for me in the middle of the film are by far the most interesting. You've got the bit at the beginning where, where they're setting up Hela as a villain. And Kate Blanchett's a good enough actress. She looks incredible in that outfit. Yeah, um, she like, good. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, and she's an effective enough villain, but... I don't know. For me, the bit at the beginning felt. I was like, okay, this is going to be. This is going to be. As soon as it started, and I still for this now, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is enjoyable. I can't like the films. Chris Hemsworth's great. He's charismatic. The fact that Taika Waititi's recognised. I think he actually said he was like, I recognise Chris Hemsworth for being a much better physical comedian than anyone's given him credit for. So I've actually made him play. I've gone made him play more comic than he has in the past. And that works. I think he get absolutely gets the best out of Chris Hemsworth here, and he gets the best out of a lot of people. Mm. But for me, the most exciting sequences are the sequences on Sakaar when you've got Tessa Thompson arise and you've got Hulk when he's fighting the Hulk, and you've got just Jeff Goldblum being the Grandmaster, and just Jeff Goldblum being like Jeff Goldblum times ten. Like, and for me, I like the film overall. I still had a good time watching it, but I, on repeat viewings. As soon as they leave Zakar and as soon as they leave the Grand Zakar, the Grand Blasters planet, for me it then just gets a bit baggy in terms of like overblown CG sequences, and I'd rather it, I'd rather have a whole film set on Zakar rather yeah. than it go back to Asgard, and that's it's a slight gripe with what is an enjoyable and funny film, but I just like Guardians of the Galaxy three make Grandmaster played by Jeff Goldblum the villain, please, hundred percent. Like, that's what I want. Is he and still just... alive, though? Yes. Not Jeff Goldblum, I mean the character. Yeah, the I know Jeff Goldblum's alive. Yeah, yeah. He's the playing Glastonbury. Is, he's, he's confirmed as being still alive. Cool. So. Okay, good. Uh, just yeah, I just, I just think it has... Yeah, I just think I just think they, they had such an incredible kind of second act that, yeah, like, Hela, the stuff with Hella was fine. It just felt, it felt a bit run-of-the-mill... CGI battle and like the destruction of Ragnarok at the end is great and I, I again I go back again I, I warmed to the end when they destroyed when they destroyed Asgard yeah but then I'm just like but it didn't the only reason the only reason it went back to Asgard was to further the plot of the MCU and to further it into Infinity War where Thor doesn't have Asgard anymore and then they find yeah. him adrift so yeah, yeah, I think Planet Hulk would have been like a incredible. have Planet Hulk as a separate movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And again, part and again, it's weird. It's weird you mention that because one of the reasons one of the reasons I love that bit is so much is because Planet Hulk is one of the handful of Marvel series I've actually read from start to finish. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and one of the few films that's definitely in this sort of wave of the MCU, which focuses on the Hulk, Mark Gruffalo's the Hulk as well, which yeah. is yeah, which I don't know if they're gonna actually do that. I'm sad. No. Yeah, we'll see. I think those, I think those characters are just now gone. But yeah, yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, still impressive. Still enjoyed it. Still in, I would say, still in my the uh, towards the top of my MCU films list. But not. It doesn't quite have the same impact for me as it did have the first time around. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I didn't really watch many more films this week, Paul. But I did watch Alan Partridge's Scissored Isle. Okay. <laughs> Are you an Alan Partridge fan? I'm an Alan Partridge fan. I've, I'm one of the handful of people that hasn't much liked the latest series. No. Okay. Um, I haven't seen the latest I series. A, I am a Partridge fan. So, so yes. um, I uh got a uh free trial for the Now TV pass because I wanted to catch up with Legion season two, which is streaming on there at the moment. So I tried Alan Partridge's Scissor Isle, which is like a one-off, kind of hour-long episode that he did and it's kind of like saying um he's apologizing because he called a youth on his show a chav and he's like 
I'm going to investigate how it is to live like working class in Manchester. And it's uh-huh. so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like really hilarious. Um, and there's an amazing scene where he gets locked in a warehouse in Manchester and he's like, <laughs> he's got like a GoPro camera on his helmet and he's wrapped in bubble wrap and he's just like, I'm wrapped in bubble wrap to conserve heat. It's so good. Like Steve <laughs> Coogan is just so funny. I think he's one of the most underrated comedians. Like everyone loves Alan Partridge, but no one really gives, I don't know why everyone sees Steve Coogan as a person as like a kind of like boring dude who only did that um show with rob bryden the we're gonna go around posh restaurants oh the trip yeah and they kind of forget that steve coogan is alan partridge in a way so um yeah steve coogan you're a goodie and you do some really good indie films yes he does like um what Maisie knew have you ever seen that with julianne moore yep yeah yeah lying you're lying. Um, and that film where he played um, Paul Raymond from Raymond's Review Bar. What was that called? Oh, uh, yep. I haven't seen that either. With Anna Frail. Uh, yeah, but I have seen... You have seen... 24 Hour Party People. Yeah, exactly. Which, right? is, a, which is a great film. Michael Whittenbottom's 24 yeah. Hour Party People. Yeah. That's a great I film. I watched that again really recently, yeah, actually. Really yeah, yeah, good. yeah. Especially if you're into your music history. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, it shows how cool Manchester yeah. Probably still is, to be Walking honest. Fucking Manchester. Yeah. I was told, do you know what? I got a message. Weirdly enough, I got a WhatsApp message from a long time listener. They go in, uh, and he's uh, he's a scouser. And he said to me, he was just like, you need to talk to Grace about her accents because Manchester and Liverpool are not that similar. So. Uh, I know. Yeah. So you would, I was, I was just like, and he was like, I'm only joking. I'll let it slide. So this is for you, Sam. This is a scouser. I'm... And this is Manchester. Exactly the same accent. I know, like I know, Manchester's more northern. My my Liverpool. What? I'm so confused. I'm, I'll work on my accents because I definitely I get like Manchester and Yorkshire and that kind of general northern area yeah. very messed up. Yeah. But yeah, my Liverpudlian accent will go into like a Welsh accent sometimes. It's so. fine. This is just a shout out for Sam. So. Okay, just sorry, say, Sam. Sam. Hey, hi, Sam. In this hi, Sam. Accent. How you doing? There you go. He'll appreciate that for sure. Ah, definitely. Sam. You're just going to talk like st- <laughs> like Scylla Black. <laughs> Listen, I've actually performed at the Cavern Club and I'm in a George Harrison tribute band, so, you know. There you go. There you go, Sam. Take and that. St. George's Hall, Liverpool. Um, and the Liverpool Philharmonic I've played there. I think, so... I think what we've just done now is taken Sam from a long-time listener to a first-time unsubscriber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, am I supposed to be being at Manchester? I went to see D'Angelo in no, Manchester. Oh, what? What I'm am I supposed right, to do? It's Scousey with Liverpool. I'm so tired. <laughs> John Wick 3 is next. Right. I've forgotten the John Wick 3 film theme. The John Wick 3 theme. Mm. So basically, John Wick 3 uh, picks up from... Basically, we are now looking at two weeks after, I think, the events of the first John Wick film in which Theon Greyjoy kills John Wick's dog. Um, so yes, John Wick is still very angry. He's still looking for revenge. At the end of John Wick 2, uh, he has broken a cardinal rule of the hotel continental which is like a community of assassins essentially he's broken a cardinal rule and he's assassinated he's basically killed a guy on continental property which means he becomes what's called excommunicado um yeah it's a load of nonsense but it's incredibly entertaining nonsense at this to this point for me um yeah so john Wick three picks up after that you've got he's got a 14 million pound dollar bounty sorry 14 million dollar bounty on his head yeah um and basically every hitman in the world is hunting for john wick at this point yeah uh, and, and there's a is, lot of them and this is where the film opens uh, it opens with a fucking great fight scene in a library yeah uh, where he gets challenged by a guy and ultimately mild, mild spoiler well not really a spoiler he wins the first fight he yeah. has listeners uh yeah. Uh, and he basically smashes a guy's face in with a book, which is uh, incredibly well done, um, yeah. as is most of this film, to be fair. Um, before yeah. we get there, let's have a clip. You do realise that I'm management now, right? I'm not service anymore, John, so I don't go around shooting people in the head. I'm not asking you to kill anyone. I just need you to get me to him. To who? Your old boss. You want to kill Barada? I'm not going to kill him. I just need to talk. What could he possibly give to you? 
guidance. Look, I made a deal when I agreed to run this hotel. And that deal said that I had to follow the rules of the table. If you're not gonna kill him, he is gonna kill you. And then probably me too for walking you up in there. Oh, brutal, I think. Probably, let's face it. Definitely. Brutal. It's John Wick. Yeah. Uh, Grace, what are you? How? Where do you stand on the John Wick series? Because I, I am, a, and I, yeah, the, the, I love them. Right. I absolutely love them. Where do you stand? I think we've, I don't think we've ever talked John Wick before, so I'm interested to see what you <laughs> make of this let's series. Let's talk Wick. Yeah. Uh, Wick talk. Right. I loved the first John Wick. I thought it was a really good, succinct idea, a great one-off, and. Um, I thought it was Keanu Reeves back on form. I thought the idea that someone could just like go crazy because their puppy got killed and go back into a life that they've left behind was amazing and all his action stuff was great. And then for some reason, when they announced they were doing a John Wick 2, I was a bit like, really? And I... I didn't much like John Wick 2. I kind of felt like it was... I wasn't really down with it being a franchise. Yeah. Um, Because I like John Wick 1 so much. I kind of felt... I left the cinema going, that was really unnecessary. And, like, the, the world building that they've done, I was like, oh, really? This is a bit bit silly, isn't it? It's utter, it's utter nonsense. But now, now I'm kind of down with the fact that we've got a universe of Wick... The third one I definitely enjoyed more than the second. Okay. Um, yeah. And I want to do a special shout out for the fact that one of my favourite um, actor comedians, uh, Jason Mantzoukas, was in this film. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Nong Man. And Mark Descascos turns up in this as well as the villain, which is fucking awesome Same. shout back. Yeah. An awesome shout back. Um, what was your favourite Keanu line in this film? Uh, of all the three lines that he had. Yeah. Um, I think when he said, when Hanley Berry went, says, You killed my dog, and he just goes, I get it. Yeah. My, nice shot back to the first one. But. Mine was just a um, one word Casablanca. <laughs> I was just, I honestly, I was like, Oh, what is better when he says Budapest in Bram Stoker's Dra Dracula or Casablanca in there? That was so good. Take me to Casablanca. I fucking love Keanu Reeves. So. Yeah, well, you liked it. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I did like it, and I, I did like it, and I, I liked it. I liked it for the most part. I liked it quite a lot. Yeah, the fight scenes are fucking incredible. Um, they know exactly what they're doing with the fight scenes, and I think that I think there's 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 a moment towards the end where I think Keanu Reeves gets put through a glass cabinet about seven or eight times. Yeah, and you and the, but they but they know it's stupid. Yeah, and like, just as you think they're gonna, just as you think they're gonna stop smashing Keanu Reeves through a glass cabinet, they keep smashing through a glass cabinet, and then they keep smashing through a glass cabinet, and then they keep smashing yeah, through a glass yeah, cabinet, yeah. and then you're like, okay, they aren't they fully understand what it takes to go from amusing to ludicrous? Yeah, yeah, and. Like the filmmakers grasp this, and the fight scenes are fucking spectacular. Again, oh yeah, 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 like, no, they're they really are, well choreographed. They are just superb, yeah. and they are just yeah. delightfully over the top. The whole film doesn't take itself seriously, and that's great. And the fight scenes are just incredible. Yeah, like I had an incredible time with the fight scenes. Mm -hmm. However, and maybe this is my fault. Maybe this is my fault. I wanted this to be the end of the series and I was the entire time I was waiting for a conclusion and even up to the last 10 minutes because I was just like I'd read there was only going to be three I'd, there was, I was going to do a trilogy and up until even the last 10 minutes I was just like this is going to end in a minute there's going to be an end to this yeah and I think for me three and out would have been enough and yeah. I think there, I won't spoil the end but it is it is left open for a fourth film but left open in a way that for me is even a little bit too ridiculous. Yeah. For no, my liking. Stupid. And I just, I wanted it, I just wanted it to just be like three and out because at some point they're going to fumble the ball with these films. Yeah, yeah. And the fact they haven't fumbled the ball already for me was a pleasant surprise. And every yeah. time, like, and yeah, and yeah, I agree with you. I know where you're coming from on John Wick 2. I 100% get that. If you haven't gone down the rabbit hole with the expanded universe, which is fucking nonsense with the whole the continental and you've got all these coins that are being thrown around, like yeah. if you haven't gone down that rabbit hole, there's not much more there's not much here for you, I'll be honest. I mean, regardless of that, even even if you haven't gone down that rabbit hole, 
even you even you as not a fan of of two you can't yeah. knock the fight scenes yeah yeah like, yeah oh completely but if you haven't gone down that rabbit hole with John Wick 2 and I fully understand if you haven't yeah. and I don't blame you for not jumping down that rabbit hole yeah I did I took to it yeah but I just I, I just wanted three and out I just I was just like yeah. I was just like this is fucking incredible and I was just like I'm so into this and I was sitting there I took my sister for her birthday she was fucking whopped off her tits on codeine so she had a much better time than I had yeah uh, she was on painkillers for a migraine by the way she's not a codeine addict <laughs> but yeah so she was just like oh my god my god my god and I was just like I was just like yes 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 now end mm. now end because you've just done three for me three of the best action films I've ever watched I was right. just like just end now yeah. that is it I'm out and I, I have no doubt that you've just you've just delivered a fucking a trilogy all of which are equal quality yeah 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 yeah. yeah. and then they left it open for a fourth one I was just like oh why yeah why because every time you go one film on one film on you're like you're gonna fumble the ball because they know and they can get really that see, dollar I know they can get that dollar but I just don't see how you can top what happened I just don't see how you can top it they're trying to make him like, like the um kind of what Tom Cruise's submission impossible they're trying to make like Keanu Reeves the like assassin Ethan Hunt aren't they they're gonna keep going it's just gonna be like it's gonna be like different missions in each movie but it's just over a space of time but, but the way they've I'm sorry the way yeah. they've set up the third no no one, no completely I was really pissed off <laughs> and like yeah the end, the end I'll be frank the more I thought about it the end of this film was bollocks yeah <laughs> yeah it's confusing and I get, I'm yeah. getting really like kind of Ian McShane pops up in a lot now. I liked it at first when he popped up in a few things, but I feel like he's just in Hellboy, he's just in this, he's in American Gods, and I feel like he's just playing the same person. He is playing the same person, he's good in this, but I just... Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted it, just three and out, that's what I wanted. I was just like, yes, and I can genuinely sit there and honestly say to someone, I can hold my head high and go, and do you know what? That's the best action trilogy I've seen. Yeah. Full stop. And that's what I wanted to hold my head high, and now there's a... And also it's just... So yeah, the, the way the end is set up is, I mean, John Wick. Don't, don't get me wrong. You have to have a suspension of disbelief when you go into a John Wick film. John Wick film, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But with the final moments and which character makes a reappearance in the final moments, my suspension of disbelief was shot. I'm just like, this is too much now. Yeah. Like, how much is too much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you and don't get me wrong, and I love those films. I love the films, and you've pushed me to the boundary of too much. Yeah. Like it doesn't need John Wick for. No. I'm, I'm worried now. I was good. It was glad to see. Um, I was. It was glad. I was. I was glad to see. <laughs> um, Halle Berry, back on form, in a gritty role. Yeah, I thought she, she was, was really good. And, and that, the dogs were fucking oh brilliant. And, and guys, guys, I cannot. So much cock chomping from the dogs. I cannot. Ah! Yeah, I cannot recommend the action scenes highly enough in this film. They are incredible those dogs should get like, dog oscars and I, I was reading somewhere that Keanu Reeves when he was first training for Royal John Wick was like doing like martial arts for like 8 hours a day oh yeah 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 like, well, Keanu's I mean, ultimately what, what else are you going to do if you're a professional Keanu's actor Keanu's the but, greatest yeah. human being apart from like yeah. acting like because like, like he doesn't change he's still um, Theodore Logan like in every role he does yeah. but like the dude's like an amazing motorcyclist and has a motor bike like company and what have you he's a martial artist yeah. he's a nice guy yeah um and um he's is he a good actor yeah i'm gonna say he's a he good... knows his range when he, yeah he knows his range and he uses, he's great in john wick <laughs> he's not so good in knock knock but he's great in john he's wick. amazing in knock knock yeah. <laughs> it was uh, free pizza <laughs> yeah but yeah i would Keanu. say yeah i mean so where, where do you stand on john wick three then you enjoyed it more than two yeah I did get a little bit sleepy through some of the fight scenes, but I think it's because I went to a nine o'clock showing. But I think particularly that that fight scene towards the end where he does keep getting smashed into glass and I was like, oh, this is wanging on a bit. See, I, lo- I love the smashing into glass bits. The, the the bits I had the problem with were kind of the the baggy kind of the middle section where he ends up in the desert talking to these characters. And again, I was like, you're stretching this whole continental How universe. How did he get back from the desert so quickly? It doesn't matter. It's strong and what happened matter, to Angelica Houston? Exactly. There's just the whole, like, there's some baggy bits. It was just like, this doesn't need to be here now. Like, and that's my concern with John Wick 4 is they're weighing themselves down. Like, I like the fact they've got this whole, like, this whole expanded universe thing, but it works for me when it's alluded to, not Did you say put Wick-spanded in front of me. or expanded? I wasn't sure. I definitely said Wick-spanded. Wick-spanded. Yeah. What? 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 I didn't. 
the Wixpanded universe. universe. Yeah, and it's like yeah. I think that works better when it's alluded to. This whole silly universe is alluded to, yeah, rather than explicitly put in your face. So, yeah, yeah um, I'm, I'm cautious. It, unfortunately, I'm now cautious about John mm. Wick Four. I, I don't know whether it should get a fourth film, and I just, good, I just, I yeah. just. I don't dislike John Wick 3 and I will yeah. 100% watch it again because the set pieces I maintain are superb but I just wanted I wanted it to end yeah. and it didn't for Okay, me. fair enough. Good New York film. Good. It felt New York-y. You're, you're the New York specialist. I am the New so, Yorkster yeah, yeah. Um, and I really like the bit where he spanks the horse and the horse kicked the assassin in the <laughs> face. That was a good... Sorry if that's a spoiler but it's pretty... The use of um, animals as weapons is really good. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I wanted, fun. I wanted Lawrence Fishburne to unleash a pigeon on someone, but it just didn't happen. No. Uh, so, yeah, so we're, we're kind of, you know, undecided about Wick, the Wick, Wickiverse. I mean, it may, it may be that I watch it again, and now I know that it's not finishing. It may be that I enjoy it all the more, but I just I think it's because I went in expecting and wanted... Maybe it's because I went in expecting and wanted a conclusion... And I didn't mm. get it. Maybe it let me down a little bit on that basis. But would you watch it as like all three films in one sitting? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it would be better because I felt like when I went to see it, like the um the production credits came up, and then it suddenly was just like dun 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 dun. dun John Wick three has started. Now. And I was just like, whoa, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I was expecting like because you know how usually they ease you into films as like a little bit of clip yeah. and then the logo, but it's like no, we're gonna go straight yeah, in with no, the logo. And I was yeah. like, whoa, so, okay. Cool, all right. Yeah. You're not letting me have a bit so of time. 100% see it. I'm not saying don't yeah, see it. Yeah, they do it. it. It's not a bad film by a long stretch. No, it just, it's not. It just let it's me stupid. down because it didn't end it yeah. for me. And cool. I wanted it to end it. So, yeah. Uh, we'll be back after this, uh, going from John Wick to Palm Door. Ooh la la. Le- oh, <laughs> Literally, I could right. I'll be honest. I could see Grace just teeing up some form of voice. I didn't expect it to be. Le la la. Uh, sorry if we've got any French listeners. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the thing is, I can speak French as well, so ooh la la is quite disappointing for me. And uh, and my grand, one of my grandparents was like half French, so I'm kind of like laying the French side down. Big time. You've not just let the French side down. You've let me down. You've let listeners down. terrible. That's why I said when yeah, I went yeah, to Cannes, yeah. I was like, "Excuse me, excuse me, parlez-vous anglais, mon français terrible." Well, that's like, better than ooh la la. Ooh la la. Yeah, but uh, someone did say ooh la la when I was in Cannes. I was like, "Really, really?" Wow. Well, okay. Yes. Um, right. So we're not testing our languages, thankfully. We are going to give you uh, our top five uh, Palm Door winners uh, of all time. Um, yeah. So. Grace, do you want yeah. to go first with number five? Is there any? There's no preconditions to this. The only precondition to this is they must have won the Palm Door, and we like the film. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm um, just gonna um, have a look at my list because I've forgotten the shall order. Shall I start with the list? Yeah, go on then. Okay, number five for me is a director that we talked about last week, and I nearly threw you out of my house because you yawned when I brought <laughs> him up. Uh, it is a film by Terence Malick. It is The Tree of Life. From 2011, uh, the Palm Door winner from 2011. I love Terence Malick's work, and I think he can be as ponderous as he pleases because he makes beautiful, beautiful, beautiful films. And I think the acting in this is incredible. The way it spans the the way it spans so many years, I think is fantastic. And I have got nothing but time for the Tree of Life. No, you have lots of time for Malik. Fair enough. Good. You have lots of time for Malik, yes. Uh, Grace, you're number five. Um, well, I put the piano. Not the pianist, the piano. The piano. Don't bring up the piano to my wife. Why? She fucking hates that film. With the force of a thousand suns, she hates really? that film. Yeah. Does she? Yeah, it'd be entertaining. Just go down, yeah. I mean, I need to rewatch it again. I just remember being like really weirded out by it. And I was it's like, a be- yeah. It's a incredibly well-made film. Sorry, yeah. anyway, I'm talking um, about you. I do I, and all I can remember really is the bit where like he fingers the hole in her tights. And like, <laughs> and every time like, I watch like top 10 erotic film bits and it's like, we're out the cartel, like fingers the hole in her tights. Um, so for that reason... Um, <laughs> my number five. <laughs> What's your number four? Uh, my number 
four. This was a close one for me, to be honest. I don't know if this is the right way around or not. Sorry, we can change it another uh, day. Well, yeah, to be fair. The, in, in, in any top five list, like it's it's pretty changeable, changeable to be honest, from time yeah. to time. Uh, in which case, my number four is going to be If from 1969, directed by uh, part of my, uh, uh, Sir Namesake, shall we say, uh, Lindsay Anderson. Yeah. Um, an incredible incredible drama um set kind of almost almost kind of predating like school massacres i think um in terms of just in yeah it's an incredible social drama about an outcast in a public school um who turns on his pupils have you seen it no okay turns on his pupils uh and spoiler warning ends up that ends up on the top of Cheltenham ladies college in fact which is where the podcast came from before it was in bath um, ah. Yeah, so, so sat on the top of Cheltenham Ladies College, um, Michael McDowell is incredible in this, and basically the guy flips out and basically kind of takes his revenge on school students and ends up with a sniper rifle sitting on a bell tower uh, and taking out some school students. And this was in 1969, so Crikey. incredible foreshadowing, incredible film directed by the kind of the, uh, well, the, the 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 pioneer of the British free cinema movement, Lindsay Anderson. So yeah, if is my number four. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Check it out. Well, on a very different uh, note, ooh la la, my number four is <laughs> blue is the warmest colour. <laughs> I've still not seen this film. <laughs> why? I don't know why. It's, do you not want three hours of just like love and and graphic sex scenes. I'm intrigued by three hours of lesbians. I had to uh, um, watch it three times because when I worked in cinema, I had to sit in on um, a particular screen because of like health and safety stuff. And then when when the sex scenes happened, the amount of like old guys who were just like, I've got to leave now. <laughs> How explicit are the sex scenes in this film? Because I've, I've, no, so I've, I've read about, and then there's been some quite, quite dark stuff said, I think, by... I, not Adele Exilopolis, I think. Um, what's the other actress's name? Leia Sedu. Leia Sedu, I think, yeah. has, has kind of been quite quite critical of the yeah. director, where like they basically treated them almost as like pornographic actresses. How explicit are they, sexy? I mean, the the um, the uh, what should we call them? Uh, the poom pooms are um, prosthetic poom pooms, right? But um, <laughs> there's a Prince reference. He's got right. a song called Poom Poom. Okay. Which means, you know, right. lady get, parts. I'm with you. You know that? Yeah. Um, but, um, prosthetic lady parts in this Prosthetic film. lady parts. Okay. And um, if you've seen um, uh, Lady Part Porn, um, Lady Part on Lady Part Porn, it's, um, yeah, like that, pretty much. It's pretty, pretty graphic. Wow. Like, okay. But... But that's not why I love this film. I've never seen the... such. I've never seen such things. It's so... just um, no. Whew, what is yeah, that? I wouldn't but, even know. Um, it is like th- you, you you settle into it. You're like, oh my god, three hours of this. But it is truly one of the most poignant, beautifully acted, honest, just story of two people finding each other and just going through that whole thing of love and loss and self-discovery and um and it's just yeah it's an amazing amazing film and i cried i've I've never cried so hard through like a romantic drama that i have with that film i was like heartbroken and happy and a bit grossed out but then happy again with it so yeah that's my that's my number four i've got it on blu-ray so i really should watch it yeah uh, do so i will yeah, yeah. on no, a nice I'm... big screen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, uh, low, uh, ha, ha, raising the tone, hopefully. Uh, my number three is Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now from 1979. Um, what could you say about Apocalypse Now that hasn't already been said? Um, what it's, can you? It's fantastic. I'm so excited about the final cut coming out at the end of this year. Um, I it's got it's got multiple cuts again. I'm you know what can you say apart from the fact that like. I watched the Redux cut. I don't think the Redux cut is the best. The original cut, as far as I'm concerned, is definitely the best version. Um, if anyone hasn't seen the Hearts of Dark, the Heart of Darkness, Hearts of Darkness documentary that accompanies the film, then absolutely watch that. It's just, I mean, Apocalypse Now it speaks for itself. No, it's an absolutely incredible piece hey, of filmmaking. Listen, I um, haven't seen it. You've never seen Apocalypse Now? No. Oh, I am genuinely jealous of you. I am you 100% watch... jealous that you haven't seen Apocalypse Now. I'll watch Apocalypse Now. Yeah, and I get to watch what Death Death 
boat or whatever it was. No. <laughs> no. Blue no. is the warmest colour. There we yeah. go. That's an exchange. There you go. That's an exchange. So, yeah, I'm, well, in which case, I'm going to say Vanessa because I don't want to spoil it for Grace. It's just incredible. The marching performance is great. Brando's, Brando's nuts, but incredible in it. Dennis Hopper's cameo is just absolutely superb. Um, it just looks incredible. It's just, they do not make films the way they made Apocalypse now. Mm. Now. Mm. Like, simple as that. Like, you, you can just see, and if 100% watch Hearts of Darkness immediately afterwards. Hearts of, da- Hearts okay. of Darkness is basically the best special feature you've ever seen. Like, like you can see how hard it was to make Apocalypse Now when you watch it because they've done everything physically. Yeah. Like you look at the special effects and the fucking helicopter flyover scene that I'm sure you're familiar with is just incredible. It's nothing short of a feat of filmmaking. And when you watch Heart of Darkness afterwards, you're just like, fuck me. It looked like it was difficult to make. It yeah. was difficult to make. It's an incredible accomplishment. And I cannot wait for the final cut to come out later this year. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad that you are excited about that. I'm and I'm excited, excited about watching it. You should be. Um, My number three, bit less epic than that. And um, I just uh, fact-checked because I'm a bit tired and I forgot the name. Um, The other film I was going to suggest that you watch if I watch Apocalypse Now was Platoon. I love Platoon. You've seen it? Yeah. You saw it? Did yeah. you not see it? Yeah, I've seen Platoon. You've seen it? Yeah. Who hadn't seen Platoon? My wife's never seen Platoon. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, that's all right then. Might be why cool. talked about it before, but yeah. Yeah, cool, okay. Well then, my number three, Wild at Heart, David Lynch. Boom! Boom, David Lynch. Right? The, one of the only films I can bear Nicolas Cage in. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still really weird in it. Um, yeah, again, like, what a weird love story. I love films with weird love stories. Um, like, it's got, it's kind of got like a... Um, natural born killers, but like a, a nice, a nice dissectable, weird, odd couple kind of thing. Um, Willem Dafoe is really gross in that film, but um, yeah, if you haven't seen Wild at Heart, it's it's one of Lynch's like lesser known I films, say so. I'd be, say. Yeah. Regardless, probably um, a, le- a lesser Lynch, but that's yeah, still, it's still a Lynch. <laughs> um, but it's it's I think is it is it during Twin Peaks or pre Twin Peaks? But it's basically about a girl whose her boyfriend comes out of prison. It's Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage, and they kind of wasn't it made just after he left Twin Peaks? I Maybe. Yeah. I say it's because it's got um uh the girl who plays Laura um Cheryl and, um Cheryl Lee in it. Yeah. So I thought I wasn't sure of the timeline. I've She's... got a feeling it was made after he left Twin Peaks and before he came in between him leaving and coming back to Twin Peaks. Gotcha. I think I might be I might be yeah. wrong, but but yeah, no, it's just a really fun little kind of road trip movie, and I just really enjoy it. And I'm glad it won a Palm Door because it's a weird little film which hasn't ever really been revisited by like anyone. I don't think it's like people don't really associate that film with David Lynch, and no, no one really it doesn't really spring to mind. But yeah. And it's a really good Nicolas Cage movie. So, yeah, that's my number three. Good. Yeah. Uh, You might have heard of this film. Uh, You might have heard of this director. Yeah. Uh, Martin Scorsese, Taxi Driver. Ooh. He's my number two. That's your number two? That's my number two. Okay. I've got a feeling it might be be somewhere on your list, Grace. Um, Um, Well, my number two um, is another lesser-known film called Pulp Fiction. Okay. What's your number one? (laughs) Well, number one, are we getting? Are we just, are we just. Yeah, because I feel it? like it's the same. Like we've swapped them around. I feel like uh, maybe not. I don't want to no, jinx it. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Okay, so Pulp your number fiction, two is. Pulp fiction is nowhere near my number ten. It's not your really. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. It's not. I'm really shocked. Okay, fine. Okay, you, okay. You, you, okay. I see what you've done there. You've like <laughs> you've assumed that I, I put Pulp fiction on my list. Yeah, I really did. Uh, I really would have thought that. Okay, fine. So your taxi driver's your number two? Taxi driver's number two. Fair enough. Uh, taxi okay. driver's number two. All right, um, okay. Yeah, again, fine. Taxi driver. We all know it's fucking yeah. incredible. Yeah. Robert De Niro's incredible in it. Scorsese's direction is incredible. It's a timeless film. Like, again, it's one of those films, I think, I think, I've, I think my wife hadn't seen it when I first watched it with her. And I was just like, why am I not watching that film like once a year? It's one of those films that every time... It, I think Taxi Driver, is, there's, there's a handful of films that I think every time you watch them, they feel as fresh as the first time you watch them. And for me, Taxi Driver is one of those films. Like Every time you put it on, it doesn't feel like it was from 1976. It doesn't feel like it's aged. It yeah. feels like it could have come out yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, issue, the issues that Taxi Driver presents are still very much relevant yeah, now. Yeah, completely. And it's just... A tour de force in screenwriting from Paul Schrader. Oh yeah. It's a tour de force in acting from Robert De Niro, and it's a tour oh, de yeah. force in directing from Martin Scorsese. And it's it's just every, it just it's one of those films where just everything is like boom. Yeah, it works. yeah. And it's yeah, it's just one. Of, it's one of those like rare films as well where the character is so complex that 
Like I remember watching it for the first time and I just could not figure it out. I couldn't figure him out at all. So then I was like really surprised at the end of it and his whole character arc. It's yeah. like really like, yeah, it was great. Cool. Good What's choice. What's your number two, Grace? Is it Pulp, Pulp Fiction? Fiction? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, I'm not, not as excited now. That's not your number one. Um, what the fuck? Put fucking Terrence Malick film in your top five over Pulp Fiction. What the hell? Okay, you fine. Number, you, you're going to be really, pissy. you're going to really be pissy with my number one. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pulp Fiction is one of the greatest films of all time. Um, it's uh, revolutionised uh, filmmaking. It's one of Quentin Tarantino's least wanky films. Um, <laughs> I'll agree with that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, every, it, yeah, it like is one of the most unique films. It's one of the most quotable films. It's um, one of the most uh, quotes. Yeah, just, uh, I, I don't even know why, why I need to defend how great Pop Fiction is and the fact it won a Palm Door. I was actually surprised that it won a Palm Door. You, I feel like you're um, offensive because it's not on my list. Yeah, it's I'm really that, upset. I've, I've not at any point said I don't like Pulp Fiction. That's not what I said. Okay. So get yourself um, on the defensive and just okay, listen, spiel off. Listen. Why do you love it? Um, Because <laughs> it's a complex story interweaving lots of interesting dark characters and it revolutionized filmmaking and for Tarantino to come with that after Reservoir Dogs was just insane and I think there's never going to be another film as iconic as Pulp Fiction um, that can deliver such a weird filmmaking style. I don't think anyone's done it and I don't think they will do it as well. So there. What's your number one before I cry? Talk about Tarantino on another show. Uh, <laughs> but my number one film yeah. from Palm Door Winners of Cannes. You, I, I love the fact this is going to catch you completely off guard. Can, do you want to take a guess? Do you want to take a guess at director or do you want to take a guess at which film it might be? It's from the year 2000. Oh, is it? It's the winner in the year 2000. Is it a Ken Loach film? No, it's not. Is it a Mike Lee film? Nope. Oh, well, I don't know then. It's a Lars von Trier film. Really? Is it Dancer in the Dark? It's a lot, it is Dancer in the Dark. Really? It is Dancer in the really? Dark. Really? Okay, yes. that's fine. That's fine. I have never, ever Cried. been left <laughs> in such emotional pieces as I was by that's, Dancer in the Dark. That's why it's not on my like, top five. <laughs> like, it just... It, like, Bjork's performance is incredible. The fact that... He's unashamed to, to to throw some musical numbers into this, and I think yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I think it was probably I haven't I have be honest I haven't watched it for a few years now, but it has it has absolutely stuck in my mind. I think I shipped it in from the US to get it on Blu-ray actually, right? Um, and it's just stuck in my mind because I think it was one of the first times I was just like, actually, musicals don't all need to be happy-go-lucky. They don't all need that. Like, they're not all of yeah. Just because you see the term musical doesn't mean it's. It's Broadway, yeah. or it's it's yeah, cheerful, yeah, yeah. or it's or it's you know La La Land, or like yeah. or like Greatest Showman, or that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like musicals can be emotionally draining as well, and I think yeah, Bjork is Bjork is a musical artist that I have just adore. Mm-hmm. I think she's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like she, well, she is, full stop. Yeah. She's just she's just yeah. incredible. Like she's she's one of a kind. Uh, Lars von Trier, I think when he when he is on the top of his game, he's 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 absolutely superb. I don't love all of his films in equal measure, but Dancer in the Dark just hit me. It absolutely hit me. It left me in bits. It left me, I'll be honest, it kind of left me shaking at the end of it. I was just like, I do not want to do anything else with my... I think, if I, I, I still remember, I think I watched it, I think I had, I had a day off work and I watched it in the morning and then for the rest of the afternoon, I, I couldn't really do anything but think about how savage Dancer in the Dark was. Like, it just, it, it just really hit me. It's just one of those films just just really hit me and it hit me hard. I thought it was just one of the most emotionally hard-hitting, effective pieces of filmmaking I've seen. And Bjork's performance was incredible and also incredible the fact that she's a musician turned actress. Yeah, yeah. And like, and it's, yeah, it just it just hit me absolutely gut wrenching, absolutely brilliant. It's it's horrible to hear about what Bjork has to bear about Lars von Trier and otherwise that yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. awful to hear because. Whatever happened there, their collaboration produced, as far as I'm concerned, an absolutely incredible film. Yeah. That was and the only just, time... Um, yeah. Was that the only time he went to Cannes, actually? I can't remember. Maybe he went to Cannes another time, but because Lars von Trier doesn't travel no. at all, does he? So, um, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, my number one's Taxi Driver. 
some enough said. Well, what, what more can you say? Add something to it if you want to. Right. Um, good New York film, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was really fucked off when I went to New York, and they don't do that style of cab anymore. And they're like little kind of rounded bugs, and I was like, "What the fuck? Yeah, what is this? <laughs> what, is what is this? this? Where's the? Here's a postcard of what I wanted to New York. Yeah, like where is this? Like and someone was like, "Oh, you could see them at the bus museum." I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Cause like the the um." The tube um, uh, subway tracks weren't like in Warriors. It was just like, oh, what is this? Everything's just too, yeah, too clean. But yeah, cool. Any more Sun Taxi Driver? No, not really. No. Other than... I didn't mean to steal the thunder. I'm no, sorry. no, 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 no. I was just really shocked that Pulp Fiction wasn't in your top five, to be honest. You but... still shocked that Pulp Fiction wasn't in my top five? Yeah, I'm, yeah, but maybe I don't know enough about your relationship with Quentin Tarantino yet. So, you know, pfft. Well, that's still can, some you know, other stuff. But I think that top, like. that top five did kind of show um, how um, different we are as film lovers, I guess. You know, we've got very... Some crossover. We've got some crossover, but also different tastes. But that's good. That is good. That's good. That's what I enjoy. Yeah. Cool. That's what I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, What's your top five, listeners? Yeah, top Send five, Palm Talk to us. Did you think Deepan was the best Palm Door winner? I've still not seen Deepan. I fucking love Jacques Audiard. I've never seen Deepan. Did you think uh, Amour? Was that your was that your one of the twenty eight Italian movies that I can't remember the names of? Did Amour win the Palm Door? I think so. I've left it off my list. I think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Deepan, I Daniel Blake. Amour won the Palm Door and left it on my list. It's officially number one. I did really bad research. I'm really sorry. Amour is 100% my number one Palm Door winner. I might be wrong. Because it's better than pretty much any film that's ever been made. The Wind That Shakes uh, the Barley. Was that your number one, guys? Did Amour win the Palm I'm sure Amour did win the Palm Door. I'll, I'll lift off um, some... I'll, 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 uh, Mike Lee's um, Secrets and Lies. Was that your favourite, guys? The Third Man. Was that your favourite, guys? Uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. I'm just going to name some more whilst Paul... Um, does his research. Yeah, Amor did win the Palm Door yep. and I left it off my list. So do you know Ooh what? Ooh la la. I'm going to throw my notes, <laughs> throw my notes in the bin. Um, yeah, Amor is an incredible film. How did I miss that? This is the thing, you do your research. I looked up and down the list. I was like, I'm going to look up and down Palm Door winners. And we t- I think we've talked, well, we reviewed Amor on this podcast many, many, many ago. There you go. Uh, yeah, Amor is... Film Amor, surprises. Amor is going in at joint number one. With Taxi Driver? With, really? No, with Dancer well, Oh, no, Dark. mine was Taxi Driver. With Dancer in the Dark. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, Bjork versus the old lady so from Amor. thank you for bringing that up. No problem. Uh, thank you for highlighting my lack of research. It's fine. Uh, because Amor is brilliant. Yep. Well... That concludes an eclectic episode. Uh, Grace, I've got a question for you before we before we wrap up. What? Uh, why has Guy Ritchie directed the latest Disney film? Um, because he can he can direct people who are kind of street urchins, no. can't he? Why? No, because oh. it's got Aladdin. Oh, okay. What are we? Sorry, I what are we going to review next week? Are we? Yes. STFU. We're both. We're both <laughs> We're both going to have to go and watch a Guy Ritchie film. So next week, we'll be back with a feature review of Aladdin. No. Which we're clearly very excited about. I'm going to cry. You know, after King Arthur, what what more could Guy Ritchie do wrong? Not uh, much. Uh, can we not review something else? No. Okay. <laughs> okay, bye. We're committed to it now. <laughs> right, we'll see you next week for a very, very enthusiastic review of Aladdin. Goodbye. Shut up and sit down.